0: baja alaska or just about anywhere the fish are biting we have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening so sit back relax and get ready for the fastest two hours of radio it's all right here right now on rod and reel radio the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the united states now here's your host hop along john cassidy
1: well, thank you Mark Larson and welcome Southern California. It is indeed our pleasure to welcome you to tonight's show. Glad you had the opportunity to listen in. I think we're going to make it very worth your while tonight. We've got a really fun informative show for you. It's jam packed so let me give you get right to what's in store for you tonight. First out of the gate, we're going to have Sissy Plemons. She is restaurateur extraordinaire from Cabo San Lucas. She's owner-operator of Bajo La Luna and La Golandrina restaurants in the heart of Cabo San Lucas. She's going to be with us and she's going to explain to us a little bit about her establishments. And while you are on a fishing trip down to Cabo San Lucas, you should stop by and visit That's with cool. her. And later on during the the, uh, the show, Danny Wade is going to be with us. And Danny Wade, as you all know, is from H&M Landing. He's just getting off a a three-and-a-half-day trip on the Sea Adventure 80. He's going to tell us what he found out on that trip and also give us the opportunity to figure out what uh, is happening in our local fishing conditions. And then, in the 6 o'clock hour, we have Captain Dave Marciano with us from Wicked Tuna. Dave was in town last week for the Tuna Wars. Uh, Ironically enough, I was in Gloucester, Massachusetts, while Dave was out here. I was visiting with the boats (laughs) and some of the crews from Wicked Tuna. Dave was out here, but we're going to make the connection with Dave. I hope he's on the water tonight. He's going to give off, especially just to speak with us but before we get anything going let me introduce to you the co-host of rod and rail radio first of all this lady is the national sales manager for iserline she's a darn good fisherman and hunter in her own right miss wendy toshihara wendy how you doing tonight ma'am i'm
2: doing all right i'm sitting on the parking lot of the 15 southbound
1: freeway <laughs> no kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: yeah it's horrible so I'm going to be able to listen to two hours, definitely on the 15 Southbound, and be able to join the show from the road. I want to right. shout-out well to do that, but, You know,
1: I know you're going to want to chime in during the show with the guest we have tonight. Hey, let me introduce to you our other co-host. He is on location tonight. He is down... In Cabo San Lucas. He's enjoying some family time down there, and he's probably eating his heart out because I don't think he's going fishing as much as he'd like to, but he's with a good friend of Rod and Reel Radio. Stan Vandenberg, and Stan, if you will, tell us where you are, and why don't you introduce our first guest for our listening audience?
3: Oh, Good evening, everybody, and I'll be happy to do that. We uh, traveled down to Cabo San Lucas, a couple of times a year and stay for a couple of weeks in time. And I've been doing this for about, oh gosh, 40 years. I don't know, a long, long time. Part of coming down here, yes, you look at, look forward to the fishing. Um, and, but when you're done fishing, you also look forward to, there's some great eateries that are across the board down in, in Mexico, places to go. I mean, I we come down, I get a rental car from Cactus Rental Car, and we drive into town and we get our, the lodging set up, and then from there, we, we drive all over the place. We were up in Toto Santos yesterday, and you we had uh, Manuel Valdez on uh, the show before from Tequila Sunrise, and we had his famous margaritas, and then we had lunch there. And But we got to come back into town and we, and we have to have dinner, so looking for a great place to eat is real easy. But you know, if you don't know where to go, this is going to be the key. Sitting with me is Sissy Plemons, and Sissy has been a part of Cabo San Lucas and her family for over 40 years. And and they have made uh, a place here that everybody that comes down to San, well, anybody that comes to Cabo San Lucas, the fishermen especially, have been coming to for years. But, Sissy, welcome to the show, and thank you for being a part.
4: Thank you. Welcome for having me.
3: So, first off, let's talk a little bit about your your family and how long they've been down here and established uh, to the start of what is now you've got the two restaurants, but before it was El Faro Viejo.
4: Yeah, it was one of the three or four local places where anybody chose to go because we were the only ones that could actually get fresh product, whether it was meat or seafood or whatnot. There weren't a lot of choices back then. And you mentioned Todos Santos. I remember when Todos Santos was just a dirt road that we drove through to get to La Paz.
3: It's on the way.
4: Yeah. You made it right. Now it's a city. Yeah. So that was a long, long time ago. But yeah, we're honored to be part of that history where, you know, we were one of the beginning establishments of when fishermen came, planted themselves and brought their catch in and we cooked it for them.
3: And your, was it your grandfather?
4: It was my father-in-law.
3: Your father-in-law Lady. that started. Yep. Uh, bah, the, the, it was, if you're a traveler down here, you came with a boat and one guy came with a trailer. Usually there's was a couple of guys, but yep. you had a place to park. And you didn't know where to go with your trailer. So the Gringo Trailer Park was what they had for El Faro Viejo. It was about a half mile, mile up the road from the marina. Yep. But you could launch your boat and put your trailer next to your your travel trailer and that's where you stayed. There was a small palapa, a barbecue and a bar. And Lenny would serve us T-bone steaks and or lobster or the fish you caught. And that's how the trailer park after a while that's what it became known as. And that was a a staple for all the fishermen that came here.
4: That's right. It's literally how uh, dining started in this town other than a few little hidden spots that were small family places, but that was the big thing back then.
3: And Lenny, he how long did he run uh, the trailer park up there?
4: Well, we lasted there from 79 to about 90, 93. So how long is that? I don't know.
3: <laughs> a long time.
4: <laughs> yeah, a long time. And then we opened up the next place after that and little by little started working our way from inland to the, the more coastal Location so came fun, down the hill. Yep, came down the hill. And when
3: I guess, guess your lease was up up there and you knew that was going to happen, you got smart and came down into town. Yeah, and found uh, the area that is now La Golandrina, and that even has some history to it. Tell us about the establishment oh, yeah. that's there.
4: Well, Golandrina is um, the oldest property building in Cabo San Lucas, it might even be the oldest in all of Los Cabos, but we're not sure on that part um but the building itself is a historical monument hasn't been declared officially yet but it is the oldest building it was um supposedly a trading post in the 1800s it was built in 1896 and the the tree in the middle of the restaurant is uh probably as old or quite a bit older than the building itself
3: so if you're if you come into town and you're going to go to a, a, one of the better restaurants instead of the trailer park now you'll go to La Golandrina. it's an outside kind of a garden area when you walk in there are several 150 to 200 plus year old mesquite trees that they have wrapped with lights that you'll sit underneath the trees and enjoy your evening while they've got the barbecue going in the bar and and, uh, and you kept the tradition because Lenny when you walked in El Faro Viejo, they had a chalkboard and they'd put whatever the menu was on the chalkboard and you could pick up whatever you wanted for the for that day. You kept that going and you still have a wall that your menu is on yep. when you walk in.
4: Yep. We hinted at making changes to that and making menus at the table or having menus at the table and you would have thought that it was mutiny. Everybody wanted that <laughs> menu board back and um, we decided to go back with it. We also have menus for the table because there are people that don't know our history and want a menu at the table but we have both so
3: well it, it lends to you know what your family tradition is and and you brought it forward now and and you you're served there what's your primary service there what do you what do you serve
4: as far as uh proteins go yeah. it would be lobster for sure would be the big thing lobsters are big uh
3: if you want the best lobster by the way oh this is where you're going. oh my
4: goodness yeah that whole pacific spiny lobster you just cannot be beat you know, it's changed over the years. We used to get the big old lobsters that were almost two feet yep. head to tail. You could barely lift them up. Now we're lucky to get them about just over a foot long, but they're beautiful. They're just delicious. And,
3: and you have the lovers, uh, what do you call a lobster tent dinner? I think it's five lobsters on a plate.
4: <laughs> yeah, it goes by weight. It's over five pounds. So it could be four or five or three, depending on how big they are at the time. But that's the big platter for two or three or four depending on how much you eat
3: so from there i mean you also have the ribs and and steaks that that are normal and Flamingon. they've got everything going there and a wine and a a bar there yeah but that was then and and, in the old days we could bring our fish in and they still do let you bring your fish in and you'll cook the dinner for the people that bring their fish in and charge them what do you charge them on something like that
4: well we normally charge i don't i think it's fifteen or sixteen dollars but for our listeners of Rod and Reel Radio we're charging only twelve dollars and that's besides their discount on any other dinner that they order.
3: So no you can get you'll get a discount if you if you go online before you come down here. Uh you can you can make your reservation with Rod and Rail Radio, just say Rod and Rail Radio. And you get automatically a discount for your food. Yep. Plus you can bring if you bring your fish you can have for for twelve bucks a piece, they'll serve you the full dinner and and your catch. And a variety
4: catch. of uh, preparations. Yeah, in any way you want to cook. And that blackened fish at Golandrina is pretty stellar. It's really really good. The blackened whatever fish, it's almost good on any fish except for maybe the wahoo.
3: So, well, yeah, wahoo. I I don't want blackened. Dry. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, that being said, you. That was a. has been a success for a while, and now you've got this new location that we're sitting in right now called. Bajo la Luna yes. under the moon. Yep. And tell us about Bajo la Luna. This is unique to the area here because you're right across the street from Cabo Wabo. Yep. And you've got this garden that's here. Tell us about how this came about. What do you what's the difference in the service here?
4: Well, I think the difference The inspiration came from trying to find something a little different from everything else going on in Cabo, which is catering to the typical, what do tourists want when they come to town? They want the mariachis, they want the guacamole made at their table. And we just felt like we wanted something a little bit more upscale, but without charging people for upscale. And that's
3: unique, by the way, in (laughs) Cabo.
4: Maybe not fine dining, but people call this a fine dining restaurant because we've really tried hard to give the best service um, available and still stay within accessible pricing for everybody, you know, pretty much. And
3: and if you came down here, when you turn uh, on the street to come down in between Cabo Wabo and where Bajo La Luna is, they have free parking. Now, this is unheard of (laughs) in Cabo, but if you drive your car here, it's not hard to find. Uh, but you have free parking across the street. You walk into an elegant foyer and step mm-hmm. up into, uh, you pass the bar and you've got a wine room, which we are sitting in as we speak, yep. which is very well appointed, air conditioned. And or you can go to your garden area, which is you walk out and you don't know that you're in Cabo San Lucas anymore.
4: Yep. It, it's kind of a hidden garden. It is the experience.
3: hidden garden.
4: Yep. If that could be even imagined downtown in
3: Paloma, right? <laughs> but, it, but it is. Stan,
1: can I ask yeah. a question? Uh, uh, I noticed that uh, Bajo La, La Luna has also what you call a tapas bar. And can you explain to us a little bit what that's about?
4: What we've done is uh, created a menu that starts at 2 o'clock in the afternoon all the way till closing. And it's small plates, not exactly Spanish tapas, but it's tapas style. Smaller portions of our really popular appetizers at dinner and some that are not even on our dinner dinner menu at all. So it's basically a really nice uh, bar menu. Uh, happy hour and whatnot so um the bar is quite large out front we have a big lounge area as well and we do have happy hour from 2 to 9 p.m featuring that menu
3: that's a good happy hour by the way (laughs) (laughs) two
4: to nine
3: <laughs> and you can eat while you're at the happy hour, two to nine. That's not a yeah. bad gig. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fun.
4: But if you want to hear the live dinner music, you have to go to our hidden garden and have dinner. Oh, and yeah, I yeah. have to
3: walk through two doorways yes. to get to uh, the hidden garden.
4: Yeah.
3: And then what is your menu? You differ a little bit from what you offered at La Golandrina.
4: Yeah, you know, a lot. Of course, we have all the fresh seafood that we feature there with the sea bass, whatever fresh fish we can get our hands on. The tuna, especially, and and sea bass. Love to get my hands on some wahoo around here. That'd be.
3: It's not quite. There yet, but it's yeah. coming. It's yeah, on its I hope way. So
4: everybody, bring me some wine.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we would be your friend. Got a little bit going around the corner. They yeah. got it on each side, but it's just not they down here yet. Say
4: that it's always around the corner. Well, that's, <laughs> that's that, that warm Gordo water bank, over there. Yeah, bank. on yeah. the other
3: side by Gordo there.
4: But as far as the meats go, we have the same steaks, different preparations in some areas. But here we also have um, baby lamb chops uh, imported from Australia. Um, we have a little bit different preparation on the, the baby back ribs, which is, they're really, really good. Just a tiny bit difference on the preparation, um, which has some surprising flavors, but not not notable, I have to say. But the seafood is big. That is, you know, this fish is our number one seller here.
3: And the they, have, they have a fried snapper, a deep fried snapper that is absolutely nice. killer, seasoned well. Yeah. dropped in hot oil, brought to you hot on the plate, and it just you peel it off the bone, you eat the whole.
4: And not greasy at and all. No,
3: no, there's no oil to it, but I am telling you, it is stellar. It is yeah. absolutely delicious.
4: Our most popular fish dish here at Luna is our curry fish. Really? It's a grilled mm-hmm. piece of um, sea bass or whatever really good white fish that we get, but mostly sea bass, on top of a light yellow curry that we make here, not very spicy at all um It really is. It's a hit. It's a big one here.
3: Well, your menu is fabulous. I mean, you can. There's a, lots of new choices uh, that you don't see at La Golandrina. uh The food here is absolutely delicious. We've eaten here a few times already, <laughs> and, <laughs> and and you're offering the same discounts. Can yeah. the people bring their fish here also? They to can be? bring
4: their fish for the same price. Twelve bucks. Real listeners will have twelve dollars per person. Besides their discount on any other item on the menu, um, that will be So they get what
3: pleasure. kind of it? they get 10%, 10% off?
4: Yeah, and if it, they make a reservation, whether it's through Rod and Reel or through our website or calling us or email, um, we'll offer them a complimentary con- cocktail or a glass of house wine.
1: There you now, go.
4: If, off if, if fishermen time. are
1: already down there at Cabo San Lucas and they're staying in one of the hotels or whatever it is, They can easily get a hold of you or or get a hold of the concierge to make reservations because do you uh, encourage or do you recommend reservations?
4: Oh well, yeah. To get that free drink, I think so. I would, I would, I would call us directly at 624-144-4911 and get your reservation. Do that again.
3: That's a good. You had that. Yeah. You just rattled that. The off. number is
4: six two four one four 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 nine one one. We'll make your reservation or um, via Facebook or through Rod and Real Radio. We will have a link on the website of our uh, web page where we take reservations as well. And that will, you know, any Rod. And real listener can get their discount just by mentioning as while they're here but with the reservation we'll be happy to welcome them with a cocktail
1: not a bad deal wow that sounds (laughs) great well guys we look forward to visiting you and i think all of our listeners should make a point that if you are in the compass San lucas area and you're going to be there for any extended period of time that you get a hold of sissy and uh see what's happening down there at Bajo, Bajo de Luna or La Golondrina and taste the Build Affair over there, because I'm, I'm sure you're not going to be disappointed one little bit.
3: You're not, and we're going to do that after we get off the show, but that's not right away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sissy, thank you so much for being with us, and please allow us to check in with you from time to time to see how, the season's going and, and what's happening down there in Capasan Lucas, if you will.
4: bet. We'll be waiting.
1: All right. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we're going to take a break right now. But coming up next, we got Danny Wade from H&M Landing with a current local fishing condition. Stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages.
5: Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics. McCoy Line, Spro Products, Gamakatsu Hooks, G. Loomis Fishing Rods, Shimano Products, Ovet Reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Come join us at our new location in Lakeside. That's right, we've moved. Come see us at our new location at 12255 Woodside Avenue in Lakeside side, California.
7: Quantum fishing's gone and done it again for you with a brand new redesigned Smoke PT reel series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters. The PTA design has the new PTXA frame. Lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag. Quantum fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619 466 8355.
1: This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rocklease Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rocklease at your local fishing tackle dealer. Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Radio. Before we get with Danny Wade, uh, Stan, you had uh, one last parting comment.
3: Yeah, I wanted to tell you how important Sissy is to the community down here. When the hurricanes have come in here and they flooded the town and everybody was, they didn't have electricity or or anything to cook with, they opened up La Golandrina and then they but every, and Bajo La Luna and and. All of the food, they started making soup and, and whatever they could do to feed all the people that needed to be fed down here, even while they were doing the reparations to get it back up on and running again, which is an important factor. And it's not only tourists that come in and out of the location, the locals come in and out of here because they love the food so much. And Sissy's done a great job on, on all parts of this and really keeping the tradition
1: going of her family, which is pretty important to the area. Well, boy, that is great. And we know that that, that was a, a tremendous economic uh, blow for the uh, areas down there. And we, you know, Sissy should be congratulated in helping her community out like that, like I think we all would, and being in a position to be able to give like that. Uh, please give her our thanks and best regards. And again, we look forward to visiting with her when we get down to Cabo San Lucas next time.
3: You'll have a great time, I promise
1: <laughs> All right hey, Is Danny with us yet? Well, let's see, hey Danny, are you with us?
3: We're working on it Yeah He's lost in the box
1: we you right, well, lost in the box <laughs> Yeah, Danny right now is uh, working on his own over at H&M Landing So uh, we're trying to get the connection to, to come to the phone Danny, are you with us yet? That I am. Hey hey. hey, hey! I want to introduce our listening audience to uh, uh, Danny Wade. He uh, works in the fishing tackle department at H.M. Landing, but he shows signs of brilliance every once in a while when he gets out there in the water. We want to welcome Danny to the show. Danny, thanks for coming aboard with us, sir.
8: Oh, you're quite welcome. I just hey. got off a three-and-a-half-day trip this morning.
1: Yeah, hey, tell us, how did that go? What signs... Did you see out there? Where'd you guys go, and uh, what happened?
8: Well, we fished to the west and up north. Uh, I mean, there's there's bluefin tuna pretty much as far as you can see. They didn't want to bite very well, but there are fish from, you know, 30 or 40 pounds on up to well over 200. And, and all we got to do is get them to bite, and they'll wow. be happy.
1: All right. Hey, Dave, and there's been, been some there. sign of yellowfin out there. Uh, did, did you guys run into any of that?
8: Yeah, we saw quite a bit of that. Uh, it, it's, it, it's mixed in with it, and, and then it's on its own. Uh, the the ones we got were all jig strike fish. Uh, nothing on the live bait or anything of that nature. It was all, you know, troll fish. Uh, but it sounded you, like some funny. of that stuff down below, down below a little ways was biting pretty good today.
1: So. Danny, we got Stan on. He's uh, in Cabo San Lucas. He has a question. Well,
3: naturally, <laughs> how are you doing, Danny? I'm good. I wouldn't have it any other way. Hey, on this yellowfin, most of the jig strikes—I mean, all that fish has been jig strikes—but it's mixed in, and the troll baits. Are they any particular color combinations that are working better for these guys that are coming down?
8: Well, the stuff that was. Uh... I mean the jig strikes we got on we got yesterday, every last one of them came on a Mexican flag, really okay, yeah.
3: that's good to know
8: and we had a gambit of wow. stuff out, you know some of the smaller halcos and there was some black and green stuff and and so on, but that uh, mexican flag is is really, well i was i i'm thinking it was every jig strike we had, but I may be. I wow. didn't pay that close bad. attention, but That's... I know it was all on on gr- gr- the Mexican flag. Danny, so what ha- was what
1: was, was happening out there? Was it uh, moon phase? Was there a lot of bait in the water? Was uh, you're not you weren't in good water, or was it just the fact that it was their day not to be hungry?
8: It's not micro bait, you know. It's two eyes and a wiggle, or whatever you want to call them. Uh, small fry type stuff. We would take a hose and all these bluefin, you know. You pump their stomach out, and you you see a handful of crabs. You see a handful of sardine that they've eaten from your chum, but they're full of just, you know, little fry kind of, whether it be anchovy or small rockfish or whatever it may be. But, it's you know, once that stuff, you know, dissipates, it could get quite interesting.
1: Right. So on this trip that you're on, did you catch any bluefin at all? And, And if so, how were they caught?
8: All the bluefin we caught were all on. Uh, there were two that were snagged out of out of bird schools on you know various. Uh, one was on a flat fall, I think. One was on a like a sniper, and they were snagged. Mm. And everything else was on live bait. Uh, some of it on a sinker rig, some on a fly line. You know, uh, we never caught a fish at night. Really. Yeah, we wow. never caught a no fish after, before the sun came up or after it went down.
1: You know, Danny, a, a lot of people have been talking about using that sinker rig, and I'm not sure if maybe a lot of our listeners exactly know what that is, how to use it, how to employ it. Can can you give us a little sinker rig 101 on uh, what you do with regards to how you hook the bait and then how you apply a sinker and what sinker you may apply on on the line well you
8: use a torpedo sinker and you want a, a you know a, i think they're like a 32 size rubber band 32 or 28 they're, they're a semi medium size rubber band we'll say you, you wrap it around your line like you loop it around your line you know four or five feet above your hook and then you run it through the eye of the torpedo and then you take it down to the other end Of the eye of the torpedo and you run it through again and then you take your hook and run it through that loop i see and then you pull it tight and then it keeps your weight up above but what it does is it keeps the sinker flat up against your line and you don't get so much of that spiral effect that you can get with just a sinker hanging off a rubber band so it keeps your lines you know it keeps everything kind of separated
1: and then how are you hooking the bait? Are you nose hooking it? Uh, are you hooking it uh, in the side? Uh, are you, uh, you know, anal hooking it or what?
8: No, you hook them. You, you want to pin their lips so you go through the bottom lip up through the nose. Okay. Uh, it's not about having a great lively bait because you're drifting and the bait trails behind the weight. So it looks like it's alive anyway. If you hook it sideways through the nose like you would have on a fly line rig or something like that, a lot of times that hook will come back in, it'll get hung back up in the bait. And then all it does is spin around. So you want to hook them through the bottom lip, up through the top. and That makes oh. them true and straight.
3: Danny, did it make a difference on hook size?
8: You know, for that kind of stuff, I, I don't think it's that important. So, you know, a 0 4-0, 5 because, okay. you know, you're considering... You might be using a four ounce to as much as you know eight or ten ounces, depending on how much drift there is or how much wind there is. And once you're down into depths, you know it's like it's like putting that three hundred pound leader on a flat fall. You know, they don't know the difference. Yep. So, fish your heavier line. I wouldn't do it on anything myself below sixty pound, preferably eighty, a hundred pound, and up. And that's, uh, good. that's good. Hang on if they bite. Is
3: that fish all the way up to San Clemente again? Yes.
8: Really? Oh, yes. So we got
3: the fish back up there.
8: Huh? Yeah, it's it's uh, We were ranging anywhere from the border on up to Clemente, and it was uh, it was uh, anywhere and everywhere.
3: Did the yellowfin make it up to San Clemente,
8: or is it yeah, still down below? it's up there too. It's up there too. It's not quite as prevalent, but it? it's definitely there. We saw water as warm as yellow- 68 degrees, I think.
3: What about the yellowtail? Are they still in the mix, or have they moved off? Or
8: uh, we, we saw them on some patties, you know, saw them on the up and down and, and so on, but uh, didn't really want to do anything, you know. They, they didn't. Huh. You know, I mean, we got a couple of them, and they were just kind of mixed in with the tuna. You know, a guy gets bit, and he goes, hey, we got a tuna. It's yellowtail. Huh. You know, <laughs> so just okay. kind of in the mix.
1: Hey, uh, Danny, let me just go back a step and talk to you about that sinker method. What weight sinker is being used, and do you want that sinker to stay on the line, or is that uh, sinker expendable?
8: It's expendable. Uh, the, the idea behind a lighter weight rubber band is, is when it comes tight, sometimes they'll, they'll pop off, so it's just a rod and reel, a line and a hook. Uh Four ounces on the light end you could probably go lighter you know if a real slow drift, but uh you know upwards of eight ounces, sometimes ten if it's really if it's really blowing you know that kind of thing uh, and you you want it to, you you want it to be down in that forty five degree angle or less you don't really want it you know way out there kind of like flat fall fishing you know you want to keep that thing up and down not not out there so sometimes you got to go with a heavier weight
1: you know when uh you're talking about these bigger fish that are you know triple digit almost or the chance of catching a triple digit fish are you also inclined to go to a heavier duty hook thinking well you know i'm going to have less of a chance of breaking or bending that hook out or uh, if the hole starts enlarging, uh, I might be able to hold on to that fish better? Or are you using, uh, you know, uh, just uh, regular wire hooks? I, you know, for
8: like that 40 and 50 pound, I st- I, I use these, uh, you know, that must-add perfect circle hook and just your standard 3X hook. When it jumps up to 60 pound, then it goes to the, then I'm a 4X guy. Uh, wow. But, yeah, the lighter wire hooks is fine on that 40 and 50 pound. When you start getting pushing 60 80 and up then you you got to beef it up.
1: All right? Yep. What What reports were you getting from the fleet itself? Uh, were they out there with you or were uh, some of the, you know, the fish in uh closer or what was happening in general uh with the fleet over the weekend?
8: Everybody was kind of spread out for a while. I mean, yesterday in the evening uh uh, You know, just kind of glancing. There were 13 or 15 boats all up there where we were, you know, in in and around the island. Uh, Everybody seemed to do the same kind of thing, you know, had four, had six, had three, had eight, you know, that kind of thing. Grading from, say, 40 to 60 or 70 pounds for the most part. And everybody was doing the same kind of thing. You know, man, we see more fish here and we know what to do with and you know, that's all you hear is, if it ever bites, watch out.
1: Well, so you're you're saying that right now from what you're hearing from the guys going out on the fleet and maybe even from the spotter planes, there seems to be still a fairly large biomass of, of, of catchable fish out there.
8: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you, you see, yesterday we saw probably – Twenty or twenty-five different spots of fish, not the same spot over and over. Different spots of fish, different bird schools, different breezers. Sizes. What's that?
3: And different sizes. I mean, you'll roll up on some. Yeah, yeah, they're different sizes. Uh, There was a couple patches that were all mixed up. There were forty
8: pounders and two hundred pounders in this one bunch. But for the most part, it's size specific for you know forty to say sixty. A hundred to that one hundred and fifty, one hundred and eighty, and then some really big ones, and, and then of uh, that one or two batches where it was just all mixed up.
1: All right. Hey, we're speaking with Danny Wade from H uh, and M H&M Landing, uh, telling us a little bit about a three and a half day trip he went on at uh, uh, the Sea Adventure eighty. And Danny, we got to take a break. Can we ask you to? The- stay with us for just a little bit longer. We know you're at work over there and we're kind of taking you away from your duties, but if you can stay with us, we'd certainly appreciate it. Sure. All right. Hey, you're listening to Rod and Real Radio on AM 540 or at rodrealradio.com. Stan, Wendy, and I will be back after these messages.
5: There's nothing more peaceful than fishing, just me, my pole, and some bait. Oh, and my life jacket, of course. I like fish, but I don't want to end up at the bottom of the water with them. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways.
0: If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top-angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what
5: you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. We want to tell our listeners a little about Bajo La Luna restaurant, located within a lush hidden garden in the heart of Cabo San Lucas. This family-run restaurant offers patrons a selection of unbelievable tapas, the most delicious Mexican entrees, an outstanding selection of wines, and crafted cocktails, and the most amazing desserts, all served in an upscale, casual, outdoors atmosphere at prices you'll find very affordable. When you visit Bajo La Luna, mention Rod and real Radio, and there might just be a complimentary beverage served with your dining experience. Bajo La Luna is located right across the street from Cabo Wabo and offers free or valet parking. Get all the information you'll need to visit Bajo La Luna Restaurant on Facebook. Just click their direct link icon found on rodandrealradio.com.
9: Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the fishing boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart. Did you know that when you donate blood, you're not only helping others, you're also helping yourself. Donating blood lowers the risk of heart attacks in men by more than 70%. Lowers the risk of developing cancer and helps you maintain a healthy liver. So donate blood to help someone else and to help yourself. If you can't donate, You can still make a difference with the financial gift. It's the best way to give back. Hook, line, and sinker. And for more information and to make a financial donation or an appointment, visit SanDiegoBloodBank.org. That's the SanDiegoBloodBank.org. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor.
1: Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. We're speaking with Danny Wade. Danny Wade is from H&M Landing. Now, if you don't know Danny, go on over and make yourself acquainted with Danny or Rick or any of the guys over there because they are your source authority for fishing when it comes to fishing these big fish or the yellowtail or whatever you're fishing for off our Southern California coast. And, Danny, thank you for taking the time to be with us tonight. Oh, it's quite all right. Hey, that's great. Uh, You know, uh, yellowfin tuna, a lot of people like going after the yellowfin tuna because, you know, it seems like maybe there's a little more action with them. Uh, uh, Are The yellowfin tuna, are they staying closer to the coastline, or are they mixed in with these bluefin? Well, it, it
8: would be yes to both of those equations. Uh, <laughs> again, we we saw we saw yellowfin up there by the island yesterday. We saw yellowfin wow. shy of the 43. We saw yellowfin on the corner, you know. And I know that that stuff down below the border is biting a little bit better, or it seems to be. So it, it's kind of yes to both equations, but I think the stuff that's biting a little bit better is just down below the border. Okay. And what's and the average size of that stuff, Danny? 12 to, uh, 12 to you know, mid-20. Yeah. There's no real little stuff. ones, at least that I've seen. Uh, and the stuff you see in the water, you know, for the most part, is 20-pound fish. Now, I'm sure there's some That's little five-pounders floating around somewhere, because there usually are. But, but you know, that, that 12, 13-pound stuff on uh, up to mid-20.
1: Yeah, now... Danny, tell us a little bit, uh, just uh, refresh our memories about the limits, uh, bluefin tuna, or if you're catching bluefin tuna in combination with yellowfin, how, what's the bag limit for the fishermen?
8: Well, it's two in Mexico, and a limit of bluefin takes, like just like Dorado, takes place of five or something else. So you're allowed, I move ten fish a day. So, you could have two bluefin and three yellowtail and two yellowfin because, it, okay. because the, the tuna takes up, the two take up five.
1: Okay. Okay. Like
8: Dorado. It's the same idea as Dorado.
1: Yeah, because you're, uh, I think right now the way fishing conditions are, you can uh, uh you know, you could go out there and easily catch a yellowtail, uh, the bluefin tuna, and the yellowfin all at one time, and then all of a sudden you're going. Wait a minute, am I over limit or not?
8: Yeah, I mean it can it it can happen. Uh, uh, for some of the day boats, you know the 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 five thirty to five thirty kind of stuff. They had pretty good yellow fishing out there today. You know, all yeah. kelp related. Uh, were pretty they good yellowfish. The
1: islands, or are they going paddy hot? No, this,
8: or, or, this was offshore. There. You know, the kelp fishing, stopping on kelps, kelp patties, and it was fair it was yellowfish and a couple of bluefin mixed in, and then uh you know, twenty or twenty-five yellowfin.
1: You know, Danny, wow. well, oh, Stan, you got a question? No, I'm just impressed. That, you know, the the
3: diversity that we got—a choice of where you want to go and what you want to do. Really, I mean, if you want to target that big fish. Yeah, uh, out, at, out at the uh, ridge on Clemente, you know, go out there and try to catch your personal best. It's it's available. If you want to go out and patty hop and catch the yellowtail and get some sporadic yellowfin in with that mix and maybe a bluefin in with that mix, you can do a little bit of everything in a couple, three-day trip like Danny was on. You know, it depends on kind of where you want to target your fish, but the availability, like you said, we got jigfish fish happening. We didn't have bait fish until... September last year and they're already catching baitfish this biomass of noceums that we're looking at Is going to get chewed up pretty quick. They got to eat their weight every day So some of that's going to go away pretty fast and then when they get on the the fin bait It's pretty much going to be katie bar the door or It could be at least in an early season instead of waiting until the end of summer to see that
8: I do agree. I do agree. Uh I, I was fishing, you know, I did the three and a half day, I was fishing on some of these uh, day trips, again, that 530 to 530 thing here, you know, the last three weeks, I think I had three bluefin, one trip, had three, another one, handed off a couple, and you know, I mean, these are 70, 80 pound fish, so it just oh depends gosh. on the day, it depends ah, on when so and where, you know, and, and you putting baits in the water and hopefully you get a bite
1: well danny you know it seems like uh you know just about every time we have you on we go over how the fishermen should be setting themselves up with what gear to fish what uh has that changed any in the past uh, month or six weeks uh and even if it has or hasn't what would you recommend first of all Going out, let's say on one of the extended three to three quarter day or full day trip, and then how would you change that if you're going out on a day and a half or even a three and a half day trip like you went on?
8: For to lump it in all all into one on anything you're doing offshore right now, have that, and I hate to say it because I don't like light light, but have that roughly twenty five pound outfit. If you get in on that yellowfin, it's, it's a little, it doesn't want to bite the heavier line very well. But have that, you know, roughly 25 pound, you know, that number one hook and, and, and maybe even a little slide and sinker. Uh, and then you jump up to that 40 and 50 pound for that, you know, less than 100 pound bluefin. And then you skip up to say 80 or 100 pound. And I would do this on any given trip I do offshore right now. That's the
3: that's a one day to a five day trip. You need every it, bullet that you can put.
8: Exactly, in. exactly. You know the you know the appropriate size hooks. You know the, as the line gets a little heavier, the hook gets a little bigger. Uh, have an assortment of a little bit of sliding sinker, and you know some four, six, and eight ounce torpedo sinkers. Go buy yourself a bag of some rubber bands at you know at your local <laughs> store and and, and fluoro. Just you know, it keeps you from getting bit off. Uh the any of the flat fall style lure does work, but like anything else, it works at times. Some of this tuna is biting yo yo jigs, a standard blue and chrome, blue and white, you know. Yo-yo jig. I would suggest you put a single hook on it.
1: Now, Danny, where are you drawing the line when it comes to putting a two-speed on a, on a rod and staying with a good uh, single speed? Or should you be prepared with a two-speed on just everything you're bringing?
8: For that 25-pound <laughs> stuff like that, a single-speed reel is fine. You don't, you, you don't put enough pressure on them to do anything with a two-speed. 40-pound on up, it, it makes a difference. Uh, but for, you know, uh, any good reel that's working well uh, for that 25-pound will work just fine for this yellow fin.
1: Okay. And when you start uh, uh, throwing that, uh, that flat fall, uh, is there a particular size that you're recommending? Uh, does color matter and uh, obviously uh, uh, line weight uh, in using those?
8: I would put a leader on all of them. Uh, if you're staying, say, below, you know, from like a 160 on down smaller, something around 80 or 100 pound will be just fine. If you're getting into that 200 on up, uh, 200 pound, anyway, uh, 150 at the, at the least, on up to 300, uh, for that bigger stuff because you know, once you start fishing those three, four, five hundred gram, you know, I mean, you're looking for the monster anyway. So, the, and when they eat it, they they inhale it. So yeah. you just want to. And
3: you notice most of the time that fish is in the dark, and when they eat that big bait, anyhow, and they yeah. they don't care. Yeah, they don't care. You just got to be prepared.
8: So you know, you, you need you need an assortment of stuff. You know, for for most anything you do right now.
1: You know, and Danny, you mentioned some of the fishmen had used poppers. I mean, you're not recommending taking a, a, a Penn 500 and tying a big old popper and throwing that out there as soon as you see No, I mean, you tack- could use
8: a 500 to catch a, a yellowfin when you're putting 25-pound on it or so and putting on a number one hook and fly line on a bait. Yes. I mean, you can catch, you know, uh, you know uh, let's face it, there have been more albacore caught on a Penn Jigmaster than any reel ever made.
1: Sure. Yep. How about, this, how about the poppers, though? Or what are the guys using uh, when fishing the poppers? Obviously, when you talk about poppers, you're, you're automatically maybe thinking some type of a spinning uh, rod outfit. But that's not necessarily the case, is it?
8: No, I, I, I wouldn't use a spinning rod on a popper to save my life. But that's me. <laughs> uh, I you. use I, the, well, same, the same, same stuff I down. fish <laughs> a surface iron chasing yellowtails, the same stuff I fish a popper on. And the oh, yellowfin, by you, you know, somebody, a buddy of mine, was out a few days ago, and he had four or five fish on a popper, but it was fishing the yellowfin.
6: Yeah, yeah.
8: So, well, and it's and not great big has... poppers; it's what? those, you know, the, the smaller brands, you know, those, you know, you know, six inch, four and six inch kind of thing.
1: Now, in talking about uh, catching these fish, we've discussed uh, some of the gear to use, and fishermen that may be listening there was going, man. That as an assortment, and I don't have that type of power in my arsenal. But Danny over there at H&M Landing, you can take care of just about and fill in any need that a fisherman might have if he feels that his gear is lacking a little bit. Tell us a little bit about what you offer.
8: We can do anything in a lever drag, 30-pound, 40-pound, 50-pound, and 130 pounds. Uh We were using Avid reels, we use an LX, I mean an MXL, single speed on 30 pound. And all, all of these are backed up with Spectra. Using a JX two speed on 40 pound and an LX two speed on 50 pound, then we're using 30s on 130 pound. So, you know, if you don't have something you're looking for, we can pretty much take care of it. Now, you know, we don't have long rods and that kind of thing, but... uh there's, these are seeker rods for Danny the most part, and then some of the uh, some of the heavier stuff is a Kuma.
1: Well, not only that, Danny, you've had results from fishermen on what is commonly referred to as the rental rods. Tell us about some of the success that fish you've seen from fishermen that have been using the rods you've been uh, renting out there at H and M.
8: Oh, the fifty pound outfits. These, you know, the LX two speed. We we run a uh, 80-pound, you know, Spectron. We put 50-pound mono on them, and then you should put a, floral, a short piece of fluoro on it. And, I mean, on the Grande here a couple, three weeks ago, they were out. They had, I think, three or four fish from, you know, say 120 to 150. Every one of them came on
1: a rent rod. Wow. Well, Danny, it sounds like, Again, we are still maybe not even to the best of the bite that we're going to be seeing for the season. If, if people are unsure what type of a trip they want to go on, what boat they want to go on, the duration, anything like that, how can they get a hold of you and, and get this worked out?
8: Well, you can call a landing at 619-222-1144. You can go on the website. It's hmlanding.com. whoever answers the phone can pretty much, you know, guide you through it. If you have specific tackle questions, just ask for a tackle shop and we'll run it through you, you know, the best we can. And if you happen to be in the area, swing by.
1: All right. Danny, thanks a lot for being with you. I'm going to travel on down there to see you this week just to get the latest on what's happening. And I can't appreciate, I, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you spending some time with us on Sunday night here. All
8: right, John, you got it. Thank you. All right.
1: Hey, and Stan, you're going to be jumping off the line now. You have any last words?
3: Yeah, just we want to thank, you know, Sissy Plemons for being a part of the show tonight and and participating and letting us know more about Bajo La Luna and uh, La Golandrina, Sissy. You know you can invite people down and again if they want to get a discount what do they have to do
4: All they have to do is call 624-144-4911 while they're here or just go online on the Rotten 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 Rail Radio, Radio and click Baja Luna and all the information will be right there to make a reservation
3: 10% off and if you go online you're going to get a free cocktail or glass of wine if
1: Yeah not- and and Sissy, please do not lock Stan in the wine cellar tonight when you're closing up. Check it closely, (laughs) will you? you
4: got
1: it. Guys, we're over now. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I we're going to take a break right now, but coming up next, Captain David Marciano from Wicked Tuna is going to be with us. You're going to want to hear all about the Tuna Awards that we had here in San Diego last week, and maybe, uh, get a little information on how an everyday fisherman can wind up on a reality show which is now going into I believe it's ninth season. So, stay tuned. Rodden Real Radio will be back.
5: Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics. McCoy Line, Spro Products, Gamakatsu Hooks, G. Loomis Fishing Rods, Shimano Products, Ovet Reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Come join us at our new location in Lakeside. That's right, we've moved. Come see us at our new location at 12255 Woodside Avenue in Lakeside.
7: Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your baitcasters. The PTA design has the new PTXA frame. Lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag. Quantum Fishing, we are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com, There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com.
6: The warm weather is here and our lakes and rivers are brimming. Just remember, if you love California and you love to boat, please wear your life jacket. And make sure everyone with you puts one on too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways.
1: Wendy Toshihara and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Real Radio. Stan was down in Cabo San Lucas with uh, Sissy Clemens. He has jumped off the line. I think he is taking advantage of Sissy's hospitality, and we're happy to let him go off and do that. So it's going to be Wendy and I, and Wendy, just uh, welcome on back because I know you were disconnected for a little bit.
2: I was. I was lost in the box. I was going down the
1: grade and uh, didn't have a signal. But I'm back. All right. Hey, well, we have our next guest. It is a pleasure to introduce our Southern California audience to our next guest. You probably probably know him if you watch Wicked Tuna. He's uh, the mainstay of that show and quite a character, I think, in his own right. Captain David Marciano. Captain David, welcome to Rod and Real Radio, sir.
10: All right, thanks for having me.
1: Oh, it's great, man. You have been traveling around, David. I've been uh, in contact with you for the past three weeks. You've been to Australia. You've been out here to the West Coast. Those are the places I only know of. You're just not, this time of the year, letting any moss grow on your north side.
10: No, 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 it seems that way. We're very fortunate. Um, you know, I, I wound up in Australia to do an appearance for a few days at a boat show down in Melbourne. Um, so we spun that into a little bit of extra time since we are traveling so far, you know, so, so so we could see the country a little bit. You know, but was really cool um, about the whole trip from the fisherman's perspective, right, if you think about it, three weeks ago we were catching tuna the southern bluefin tuna from the Southern Ocean, right? The next stop is Antarctica down there from um, Australia, right? And then we stopped on the West Coast in San Diego and did the Frenzerolo event, and we were catching Pacific bluefin tuna. And, you know, just a handful of hours ago, I get in from the Atlantic Ocean, and we're fishing our giant bluefin tuna back home here. So kind of a wild ride three different oceans in three weeks.
1: Well, you know, I was in Gloucester a couple of days ago while you were here in San Diego and it really enjoying visiting that town, you know, quite different than anything we're used to here on the West Coast. I stopped by the the Chamber of Commerce because there was a big festival going on there, the uh, St. Peter's Festival. And yep. we were talking a little bit, and I happened to mention the name uh, Captain Dave Marciano there. And the gal at the Chamber of Commerce kind of put her finger up to her lip, and he said, You know, he is quite the talker. And <laughs> said, You know what? David is going to be perfect for radio over here. So we appreciate you coming aboard with us, sir.
10: Well, happy to be here.
1: Hey, now, tell us. I was reading up a little bit about you, and if we can kind of go back in the wayback machine for a little bit. You do not come from a fishing family, even though you are in an area of the country where if you talk about Gloucester or Beverly or or Rockport or anything like that, that you think about fishing. Tell us how you got involved in in fishing, not really having those roots in your family.
10: Sure, no, you're right. A lot of the fishermen here, especially in Gloucester, with such a rich fishing history going back, you know, 400 years, um, you know, the fishermen and their fathers were fishermen and their fathers before they were fishermen. That's not my story. My father sold insurance. I just had a passion for fishing, and actually it was, I had one uncle in the family who took me fishing when I was a kid, and it was it was nothing special. It was just fishing, you know, with barbers and worms down at the at the ponds catching bass, right? Something we've all done, probably how we all started. Uh, it was that uncle Joe, my father's youngest brother. Now, Joe passed away, Joseph passed away when he was twenty seven of leukemia. I was probably seven or eight years old. And it was pretty hot on me because again, he was that one uncle who took me fishing and I loved it so much. He kind of planted the seed. And that's why, too, like if you guys who follow the show, we have my son Joseph who fishes with me as crew. I actually named my son Joseph after that Uncle Joseph, um, you know, who was the one family member who took me fishing because that's how much of an impact he had on my life.
1: Well, it seems like in watching the show, and again, some of the things that I have uh, read that... You have your kids now starting to get involved. Is this uh, a family business, or, or tell us a little bit about the structure of what you're doing within the confines of the reality show?
10: Yeah, sure. Now um, Joe is always gonna, you know, kind of follow in my footsteps. Uh, he always loved a boat since he was a little kid, uh, and he's actually, you know, if again, if you follow the show, you know, I got a new boat, Falcon. And we never got rid of the old boat. My son, since he graduated from college, has been running that boat. You know, we we actually, we both had charters simultaneously today. We're out there fishing, you know, in, in proximity of each other. So, you know, that's kind of cool for, you know, the, the dad and me is kind of proud of that. It's a pretty neat experience. Now, you know, I'll be honest, my daughter Angelica... Um, you know, she likes fishing, but she, she's always done it from a, a family perspective. She never really did it for work. But, look, I told her, with the opportunity we have because of the TV program, right, and we're filming, we're only filming for six or eight weeks in the middle of the season, I said, look, with the deal that I can get you, I want you to get on the boat and come fish with me and your brother. 'Cause number one, I thought from a viewer perspective, it'd be a great addition to the T V part of the world. But the dad in me was like, look, with the with you know, with the opportunity we can get, basically she works, you know, full time on other jobs. You know, she worked at the airline, she's done some work as a uh, assistant to set directors on several movies. So she has her own little career path. But I said, Look, the dad in me was like The money you can make between the fish and the TV deal in six weeks, I said, even if you hate it, you don't walk away from that kind of money. It's just fishing with me and your brother. So tough it up and get on the boat and make it happen. Now, it turns out she's had quite a lot of fun doing it. She didn't think she was going to, but I think it was cool because following her journey, I think the audience really was able to follow along. You know, you could see... You know, at first, she was really kind of green around the gills, if you will, when it, when it comes to how we do things. And we've kind of all watched her become, you know, a successful fisherwoman in her own right as, as the season's gone along.
1: Well, David, tell me this. You know, I think uh, Wicked uh, Tuna is in its ninth season, or will be starting its ninth season.
10: But... Yeah, we'll start filming our ninth season, actually, in, in the middle of July.
1: Yeah, but this didn't happen by accident. How did a, a, an everyday guy like you and probably the whole handful of other guys that you have there on, on, the, on the trip, TJ and every, sure. how did you guys get involved with this? What, what, what happened? Okay,
10: so, yeah, that's a great question. So, um, the production company, Pilgrim Productions, they're based out there in uh, L.A., right, on the West Coast. Now, all they do is produce reality shows. Now, the story I heard is one of the executive directors did some work with that movie Perfect Storm and became familiar with Gloucester as being a very scenic location. They heard about us guys catching these fish that are worth money, these giant tuna. Uh, So, boom, the, the concept for the show was born. Now, they came out here, and again, when I say they, it's Pilgrim Productions. They came out here for 10 days. Uh, and we're interviewing boats and crews and getting some B-roll footage of the fish actually being caught. I had no idea any of it was going on. On the ninth day, they contacted me. Um, and, you know, they said, you know, we, they gave me the rundown. We got an idea for a show, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, are you interested in participating? And, you know, the first words out of my mouth is, is there a check involved? I'm a commercial fisherman that, you know, that's what I do. If you're going to use my boat, I expect to be paid. Um, and you know, when they said, yes, I said, okay, I'm, I'm interested. I'll come down and, uh, do your little video interview. And the next morning I went down and kind of told them my story, which was basically, you know, about my boat and, and, you know, the fact that I'm a family man and has, you know, three kids and all that stuff. And, uh, You know, not in a million years did I think any of it would lead to, you know, what we just talked about earlier, me doing a boat show appearance in Australia because the show is so popular in Australia, and then getting home from that and, you know, doing a radio interview with a guy like yourself, you know what I mean? Not in a million years did I ever think that would all come together like that.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because I think Wicked Tuna had a seg- segment where they were, you know, sh- showing clips of you guys on the boats fishing, but where your voices were being dubbed in on other languages and you guys were, you know, having commentary on the side. And it was you guys were just cracking up when you yeah. know, you'd, you'd, you'd yeah, see well, one of the guys that you talked to, to all think, the time yeah. and then hear the voice yeah. coming out of them. It was, it was pretty funny.
10: Yeah, no, it was. It's always uh, amazing, you know, because the show is uh, Nat Geo's number one show in 171 countries in 23 different languages. Oh my gosh! Um, so you know what I mean? It's just pretty amazing when you think about it on on a, on a scale like that. Just it's very it? humbling, if you ask me. You know, again, because I never planned to be that guy. I was Dave, the fisherman, and. You know, I was fairly successful in my own right um, as a fisherman. You know, again, I never made no claims to be the biggest or the baddest, but I have been playing the game a long time, better than 30 years now. So I've been around the block a few times with the boat, if you will.
1: Before we get on to the fishing, Dave, let's talk about that first season, like the the first few days that you were out there. How did it go? Did everything go to plan, or was this something that kind of, evolved as you got deeper and, and deeper into that, uh, that, that first fishing season.
10: Um, with the cameras, you mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, no, look, let's face it. When this all started and all of a sudden they show up to the boat, right? And then all of a sudden now you've got cameras and you mount a bunch of GoPro cameras, and then you got the one guy holding the big camera in your face. Um, Several things go through your mind. You know, at first, it's like, okay, am I supposed to swear or not swear? Or, you know, you know, how am I supposed to talk? What can I say? What can I say? Right? And, um, you know, the, the, the shooter producer on the boat said, look, we want you to be... You're going to learn to ignore us. We want you to pretend that we're not here. We're not filming you. And we want you guys to go about your business... Um, fishing just like there was no cameras on the boat so say what you want do what you want if it's inappropriate it'll it'll get edited out or uh you know they'll use the little beep button that they seem to find be quite fond of with my character at least on the show um you know And then the other thing too is you know let's face it we're guys too you, you know they get the cameras in front of you and, and you know, I, I won't say it's natural instinct but you know, you think about maybe wanting to try and show off a little, right? And again, it was that first um, shooter we had on the boat who, you know, when he kind of saw that evolving, he reminded us, he said, look, this is a reality show. If you try and be something you're not, you know, the audience, you guys, the viewers, is going to see right through that. Because let's face it, we're not actors. You know what I mean? They can't script what you see. If they try to... You know what I mean? Like you know, I'm not Brad Pitt. You know what I mean? I, I could pull it off if they said, okay, this is what you're going to do today and this is what you're going to say. It would look very fake because, again, I'm not an actor. So, you know, the show is based on moments, as odd as it seems, because it's pieced together. Uh, you know, remember, they film around the clock uh, for about six weeks. So they have a lot of footage of all of us on the boat. And what gets broken down into you know, five or ten minutes a boat per episode. Um, so you're not really seeing the whole picture. You're seeing those moments that they think is good TV. And it's just like my character, too. You know, through editing, they create that persona that they want you to be, I guess. Right? Like, there's actually moments when I'm not smoking and I'm not swearing, but those moments for me all seem to hit the editing room floor. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Does that make sense <laughs> now, right? Because all you see, here's oh, Captain Dave, he's, he's ripping his butt, he's swearing his head off, and then once in a while the rod bends.
1: <laughs> David, at, at, during that first season and after the first season, uh, you didn't know what they had. They'd spent all this time. Did, what was going through your mind? Did, did you think like, hey, this is really something that there might be something to this, or you go, better I better not quit my day job, I better keep on doing what I'm doing.
10: Oh yeah, I mean, well, let's listen. Now, I had been as a commercial fisherman. I had been interviewed over the years from uh, news media about issues that would come up in the fishing industry, right? And then oh, I, and I, we always got burned doing that because they would interview you, you'd tell them your side of the story, and when it hit the five o'clock news, they would edit everything you said out of context and make you look like an ignorant commercial fisherman, right? So, I had a certain level of distrust, but when I saw how much money they were spending and I saw how seriously they took that, um, you know, that's when I, it eased my fears a little because I said, look, they're not going to spend this kind of money to make us all look bad. You know what I mean? When you see how much they were investing in creation of this, you know, reality series, it's like, all right, well... Nobody in their right mind would spend that kind of money just to make a group of fishermen look really bad. So that started to ease my fears a little. But, you know, it's funny, even after filming that first year, it never seemed real until it finally aired, right? Because even telling my family, you know, leading up to it, oh, yeah, we're going to be filming and we're going to make a TV show. And yeah, 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 sure, whatever you say, Dave. Um, and then even after the season concluded and we were, when we wrapped up filming it was like oh yeah we filmed so this dude, we're going to be on TV in you know 6 months it's going to come out and you're going to see it and you know even and even myself I was in the same boat it's all, it's all kind of unbelievable until boom that first episode aired and um it was pretty amazing and it's been a pretty amazing journey to watch it you know develop and grow
1: yeah well, hey, David, we uh, are about ready to break for uh, a little bit of a commercial because uh, we've got to uh, make sure our sponsors get the word in. You know what that's all sure. about. Can we ask you, please, to stay on with us? Because we I've got Wendy yelling in my ear, when are we going to start talking about the fishing? So we're going to want to talk sure, about sure. the fishing. Can you stay on with on us on for a little thing. bit longer? Can you
10: call me back in like two minutes?
1: Yeah, well. Can we do that? We can do that. Otto, can we call uh, uh, Captain Dave back? Okay. okay yeah, sure. we're going to take a commercial break, and Captain Dave, we're going to let you uh, do what you got to do, and my uh, producer otter will give you a call back, okay? All right. Very good. Yep. Bye. Thanks a lot. Hey, Wendy, uh, just before we go on break, uh, you know, it's kind of an amazing story how just a few everyday uh, uh, putts can... Uh, and make it like that i i think it's an interesting success story okay hey we're going to take a break right now wendy and i are going to be back with this hour's guest every
3: time i get out on the water i realize i forgot something important but i never forget my life jacket i make sure my buddies wear theirs too save the ones
5: you love a message from california state parks division of boating and waterways
1: Hey, we want to tell you a little bit about the uh, catch fishing hook line and lure system and we have Kavika with us from Catch Kavika. Tell us about the catch system.
0: Hey guys, so catch fishing products uh, catch lure hook and line holder straps on to your rods whether it's uh, fresh water, salt water. It's adjustable. UV saltwater resistant, products made in the USA. Holds on to your lures, holds on to your hooks, and a great feature about it is it also holds on to fishing line, and it's great used as a finger trigger as well. Save your investment in your rods and reels.
1: And we want to remind everyone that the catch system is going to be available at a dealer near you.
9: Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the sports boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart, the San Diego Blood Bank. Fishing for a way to make a difference in your community? Consider donating blood or making a financial donation to the San Diego Blood Bank. Your gift will impact medical research, revolutionize how we improve health and treat disease, and most importantly, give the gift of life. But we can't do it without you or without your help. Visit sandiegobloodbank.org to make an appointment or to give a financial donation today. It's the best way to give back. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor.
7: Hey, everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619 793 5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. I always wear a life jacket when I'm on the water because I'm lazy. I like floating like a giant turtle covered with SPF 50. The life jacket does the work. I highly recommend this to everyone. Save the ones you love. A
5: message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways.
1: Hey, Wendy and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod Real Radio. Stan is down in Cabo San Lucas enjoying the hospitality. of Sissy Cummins at... Uh, Uh, Bajo de Luna. And uh, so, uh, and if you missed any of that first interview, uh, please go to RonRealRadio.com and uh, uh, just click on today's date, and uh, you'll be able to hear that interview. And Wendy, I always find it interesting when we have the opportunity of talking with individuals that have been successful in a particular industry where they started from because they're just everyday people that had a little bit of an opportunity and they were able to make something of it
2: you know i think it's really neat because i i come from i have an acting background and i acted a lot when i was a child and when you do it that way and it's it's a controlled um thing you have marks you have to stand on your mark you have to say your lines you have to make sure you're you know, you're you're facing the camera, or you're not facing the camera, and and it's a lot of different things, and and I think it's really neat with with reality TV that they can be them. You know, there's there's no one trying to interfere and tell you how you're supposed to.
10: Yeah, I'm doing a radio act. interview. Yeah,
2: and so it, I think it's really neat the you know the way they're doing it.
1: All right. Our guest for the SAP, our Captain David Marciano, he had to jump uh, away from the phone for a little bit, but I, I believe we're reconnected with him. Captain David, are you back with us?
10: Yes, sir, I'm
1: here. All right. Wendy, uh, we want to start talking a little bit about the fishing, and, and do you want to leave off uh, uh, Captain David, my co-host, Wendy Tush-Hare, is with us? And, Wendy, if you've got a question for Dave, why did not you get with it?
2: I do, and I... I have a lot of people asking me, uh, to ask you, is there any difference between our fish here and your fish there on the Atlantic on the way they fight?
10: Um, well, yes and no, right? Like obviously, you know, it's, it's two different size categories of fish. We're using two drastically different size categories of tackle. Um, so, but I think the basics, you know, they fight very similar, but it's just, it's two very, very different fisheries. Um, you know, for instance, we did that trip in San Diego there just last week, you know, and my wife got her, uh, Nancy got her, um, her new personal best, um, you know, bluefin tuner out there it was, you know, an 85 pounder, um, but for Pacific bluefin, that's, you know, her biggest and she got it on her own new little rod and, like, that was really neat to see, and, you know, it's totally different. Like, when you see us over here, it's more of a team effort when one of these giants get landed, but over there, you know, it's something you can do all yourself.
2: Yeah. Isn't it nice to be on the boat and to not have to cap in the boat, and then you can watch your wife or help her, or, you know, she can watch you, oh, and yeah, you guys yeah, both yeah. can bring in fish?
10: Oh, yeah, no, that was that was awesome. Uh, you know, especially because it starts out for a great cause. You know, that whole event is centered around the Friends of Rollo, which is an organization we got hooked up with out there on the West Coast. I don't know. I guess this was the fifth year we did it. And all the money raised goes to get uh, inner city and underprivileged kids out fishing. So what a great thing to be a part of. Uh, and that's, you know, again, that's the icing on the cake is you're exactly right. Is I get to go fishing for a change. I don't have to drive the boat. If the boat <laughs> breaks down, I don't have to fix the boat. I just have to sit back and complain about to the captain, where's all the fish?
1: You don't have to eat your <laughs> own cooking either, do you? <laughs> you know, the the boats out here, and I know that, and we'll get into that, that you also charter, but these boats out here are competing in Southern California for entertainment. So they've yeah. really uh, uh, become quite, the platforms for fishing out here. When it comes to sleeping, eating, and then the quality of fishing experience, they uh, show their customers.
10: Yes, no, no. It's very, it's very. Um, we we love coming out there and going fishing. Let, you know, let's just say that my, myself and my wife Nancy enjoy every trip that we have the opportunity to come out there and do that for all those reasons because it is, it's it's to, it's light years different. In the way it's done in the East Coast, for the most part. You know what I mean? We do small, one-day trips, totally different fisheries. So, you know, very little of our charters are multi-day trips. You know, of course, on occasion we'll do it when we're chasing the giant bluefin tuna. But the majority of what we do is, you know, nine-hour day trips. But, uh, you know, on a certain level, you're right about the entertainment experience. You know, I cut my teeth in the fishing industry, I guess. When I was 11, I had my first job on one of those body boats out here, you know, scrubbing bait cups and scrubbing the boat on the way home. And, you know, I I did that for, well, probably the first 10, uh, probably 15 years of my younger career as a fisherman. And, you know, I used to think I was, you know, in the company would even have me trained to do people, you know, because I used to say I was, you know, a fine art ma- I was a master, at the fine art of separating the customers from their money. Now, we, I would say that in a good way, you know, because it's real simple. Sure. We're working for tips. And if people had a great time, you got a good tip. It was very simple.
1: Well, you know, one of the, the big differences uh, I, I think I've seen the fishing East Coast and fishing the West Coast, let's say, is not only the size of the fish, but it it's the depth of the water that you're fishing in. Do you think it's... You were attempting to catch the size of the fish that you have there on the east coast in the thousands of feet of water that we're fishing here on the west coast. You'd have the same results in uh, bringing them in.
10: Oh yeah, yeah, no, and we do. If you follow the show, we have Wicked Tune, the original show, and season two of the spinoff show, Wicked Tune: Our Outer Banks. You know, actually, uh, episode two is airing tonight as we speak. Um, you know that show we're off the edge of the continental shelf. We're fishing those bluefins down there. We're fishing the blue water where it mingles for, with that Gulf Stream that runs up the edge of the continental shelf. So the water there is anywhere from five to ten to eleven thousand feet deep. You know out even we've been out as far as fourteen thousand feet off the edge uh, when when we find the fish ultimately down there. So you do get the same results. But those long, deep runs do make you nervous. The big difference is, is if you watch, is up, up here, you know, you used to see my mate Jay say we got a screamer, right? Because the thing about hooking them in this shallow water, the fish knows they can't go down deep. So what do they do? They go long, and that's mm-hmm. when we have to chase them. And that's why, that's I guess, is the biggest difference, if you will, between, you know, fishing deep water tunas I guess we'll call it, whether it's east coast or west coast, or fishing like we do in the original show up in the Gulf of Maine. Well, we're fishing structure, and we're fishing the edge of banks. And in that shallow water, the fish know they can't go deep. They can only go far. So that's what they do.
1: And that's why you have the control set up in the boat set. If that fish is going far, that you can put the boat in reverse and try to follow, follow them up on. Presuming yep, that's yep. No, one of indeed, the tactics you know, that we've you had use. Fish,
10: you know, on on average, I bet we wind up a mile or two from the ball where we actually hook it. Where, you know, when we drop our anchor and start chasing it, and you know, I've had fish pull me, you know, eleven, twelve, thirteen miles on some of them wild wild ones. And you just gotta keep chasing them down to keep lying on the reel.
2: Wow, right. that's a long ways.
1: Well, you yeah. better believe it. You know when. Dave, when you're fishing... And there's uh, there's nothing
10: worse than chasing a fish for 10 miles only to lose it at the boat and have to make that hour ride back to the ball Ah. empty-handed.
1: Are most of your fish, are they done on live bait? Are they caught drifting dead bait? Or do you find there are circumstances that those big fish will hit artificial lures?
10: Um, most of it is live or dead bait, the majority of it. Down the southern show, we do some trolling with the green stick, which is basically artificial lure fishing. We're using big rubber squids down there. But, look, my preferred method, and it's always been my forte, primarily, and I think it's always been my edge, uh, as a commercial fisherman, I'm out there 300 days a year, right? So even on the years when all the other fishermen are complaining that they can't find bait, you know, because I'm out there year round, I have places, I know where the bait is, even when bait don't exist. So that kind of bait style of fishing has always been my forte, especially on the years when there's, you know, very little bait shows up. That's when I excel because I have my little sweet spots that I've learned over 30 years that, again, I can come up with bait when, when all the others say bait doesn't exist.
1: Right. Hey, let's, let's. you know, one thing that has always amazed me, you go through this effort to catch the fish that you catch, and they look like beautiful fish, and then you come into the harbor, and there's only one place where you can sell these fish, and they wind up looking at the fish and taking samples of it, and they say, Dave, this fish is worth this amount, of of money per pound, or it's worth this amount of money per pound. And you guys seem to always be happy about that. Is there ever a time when you feel like socking that
10: guy and the lips going, you got to no, no, me? Look, I don't do business with crooks. It's real simple. <laughs> I've been in business for 30 years. There's many places to sell your fish. right? Okay. The people I do business with, I do business with for one reason. I trust them, and we've built a very good working relationship over many decades. Now, sure, there's a lot of fly-by-nights that come and go, just like other tuna fishermen. You know, in my time in 30 years in that crappy old boat, I've probably seen a thousand fancy boats come and go, along with another thousand tuna buyers.
1: Wow. You know, so... You
10: know know what uh, I mean? It's it's a tough game to make a go of it long-term. There's no doubt about that. And that goes... For the buyer and the fisherman, you know, remember, he could buy that fish and offer somebody money and only get half as much for it. Now, if he does that, he's not going to be in business very long, is he?
1: No, everyone's got to make a, a profit on that. And, again, the right. customers and everyone are- takes
10: the risk, including the buyers. And you can rest assured that this, the people, if you've got any interest in doing business in the tuna fishery or you want to get in, my suggestion would be to go to the same buyers I use, because we go there for a reason. They're dependable and they're consistent. And you'll actually get the check when the when the amount is agreed upon. You know, we've had bad experiences where we haven't been paid. You know, or, you know um, and there's nothing worse than paying your crew and paying the fuel bill and laying out thousands of dollars in expenses, you know, only to find out you got beat out of $30,000 worth of fish that you sold to a guy.
1: I know this may they be know, a little sure, bit... are sure they a talk touch.
10: big prices, but will the check ever come? And when it does come, will it clear? There's yeah. a big, big world of tuna buyers out there.
1: Well, I'm sure sometimes you're amazed when you see what you get for a fish and you're happy with that and then see the send re- end result, let's say, when it's in the Oriental market or something like that with some of these things, uh, fish going for many tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars each.
10: Right, no, and we can follow out. Look, through the, we, we one one major difference, like between our East Coast fishery and your West Coast fishery, our fish, when we land them, they're very strict on our quotas here. And before anybody can talk price or anything at all, once that fish comes to the dock, it gets, it gets a, a, a tag that can't be removed. And that fish gets a number, and that's how the government tracks our quota. But through that number, basically they're giving the fish a Social Security number, And I can follow that fish anywhere through the system that I want, because it's all going to be reported to the government. So, you know, I know exactly what I got paid for a fish, and if I really wanted to, I could go find out exactly what the buyer sold that fish for, ultimately. But that's not my job. Let's remember, no matter what kind of fish I deal with, right, without the buyers, I'm dealing with a product that has literally a shelf life of a matter of days. And if I want to go out and catch more fish, I can't run around, I can't go catch a fish and then stop, and no matter what species we're talking, run around and sell it and expect to go out and catch more fish. How can I? So these buyers are an invaluable part of the system when it comes to being a commercial fisherman. Without buyers to move the product and to develop markets and have markets available to move this product, look, it's not a can of peas, you can't... You can't harvest now and sell it a year down the road when when fishing's over, like again, uh, with canned goods or something, right? You got this fish when you hit the dock. Basically, he's got to have an idea where is he going to get rid of five hundred pounds of meat before you ever come in, and if that ever falls apart overnight, all our fish become absolutely worthless.
1: Mm. You know. Uh, so you're. You've been catching these fish for so long that when you bring it into evaluation and you see the criteria that the buyer is using, you usually know yep. and you trust the people that they're pretty much on target on what they're doing when they make an offer for that fish that you bring right, in. Right,
10: right. The only thing I don't know, right? I know the quality, and you know, you see, we take we take samples. You know, again, that's kind of part of what we play into the TV oh, let's take it to the buyer and see what he's got to say. But, you know, trust me, as far as quality goes, after 30 years, I know exactly what I'm bringing the buyer as far as quality goes. The one thing I don't know, now remember, he's looking at a global market. This guy's a wholesaler. So he's looking at there's three auctions three different days a week over in Japan, right? So that's um, nine opportunities for him to sell that fish on the Asian market. Now, if he takes, if you take a good quality fish and you ship it to Japan at an auction where a Japanese longline fleet is just unloaded, that's gonna be on the floor with five, six hundred, maybe a thousand other fish. So no matter how good your fish is, it's gonna get a high average. The same thing is there'll be other high quality fish there as well. The key to the buyers is they're looking, okay, where can I take this fish I got in one hand and sell it and an opportunity where I can make a big profit. And I'm sure sometimes they do win, but I know for a fact, sometimes they do lose. And if they, in a sense, they're gambling, you know, they're offering, they're giving a fisherman the money on one hand, and they got to pay that thousands of dollars. He's got a right to check for that. And then, no. unless he's a crook, all right, then it, which no. has happened and there's I won't go into detail, but there's a guy in the show who's actually done all that to hundreds of fishermen. But, um, you know, if he can't move that product, and, and if he doesn't get what he thinks that fish is worth, if he, you know, if he doesn't think he's going to make a profit on that, but how many times is, you know, can he make a mistake and still be in business?
1: I understand, Dave.
10: What, right. So the, talk you know, about... that's why I have got no animosity towards the fish buyers in any part of the industry. Whether we're talking tuna, or talking ground fish or talking lobsters, or talking crabs. You know the buyers again. Without them, you have no fishery. It, it becomes right. a recreational fishery, and that doesn't suit my needs at all.
1: You know, in the beginning of the show, there's uh, a disclaimer about the health of the population of uh, the resource that you're after. Yep. In your fishing experience, how how do you feel? Do you feel that the population is maintaining? Is it getting oh, better? Yeah, no, no, Is I it dwindling? Exactly. Is it seasonal? In 2017
10: or what? was the most recent stock assessment uh, for Atlantic giant bluefin tuna. They do stock assessments every five years. So the next one's in 2022, right? Now, in 2017, the stock assessment, we got another 25% increase in our quotas for the Western Atlantic fishery because of the health of the resource best available science puts the resource even though that like that's one of the things that bothers me about the network in that geo they do that little blip that oh the the resource is at 50% of its historic abundance or whatever it is right the truth is with science it's right in 2017 it was designated to be at about 80% of its historic abundance right but they're, so they're using old data, you know what I mean? And, and I've, I've actually sent some emails saying, okay, it's time to update, you know, our little, our little speech. But, you know, that's not my call. That's a network's call. It's National Geographic. I think part of it is they, like, it, they do like to highlight the fact that we do fish this, you know, fishery sustainably. It's Literally, it's an artisanal fishery. Uh, we catch these fish one at a time, and that's the reason... The stock has been in doing nothing but increasing for about 25 years now. Um, you know, the, 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 the way we harvest is directly, a re, you know, the result is this rebuilding resource. The, when, it, when I entered the fishery, you know, there wasn't nearly as many fish around as there are now after 30 years of doing it. we've So we've made a living and rebuilt the real resource at the same time. And the future looks better for my kids than it ever did for me. I expect the resource to be designated fully rebuilt when that next stock assessment uh, comes around in uh, 2022.
1: You know, uh, before, while uh, we were waiting for you to get back on the line, Wendy has been in the acting business before and performed in front of a camera. And you were mentioning that, when the cameras come on, you know, sometimes you aren't yourself. And there's a lot of times on the show we'll see conflicts with the, the certain captains and their mates and everything yep. like that. Is that all pretty authentic stuff, or is sometimes oh, yeah, look, that maybe enhanced You're dealing uh, with basically a, a derby
10: fishery out here for these tuna, right? There's a finite amount of quota that we share as an aggregate group. But when we catch that quota, we're done fishing for the year, period, right? So yes, once this fishery is open, you've got guys again. Everybody is fishing for a bigger, biggest piece of that overall pie as they can possibly get. So what winds up, you know, for the for the for the time that it's open, we're fishing basically seven days a week, you know, weather permitting, and as much as humanly possible. So under those contexts, sure, you get into arguments. Um, you know, you. You, you know, tempers flare, the elbows go up. Think about driving to work, uh, you know, out there in L.A. on one of those days when it's rush hour and you just want to go home, right, or you just want to get to work. And you your you tempers flare and you have arguments and you flip somebody off. But at the end of the day, you work it out because you know you're going to have to get up and go to work tomorrow.
1: Right, and it seems like uh, every season you're fishing to see who's going to be the, the top guy among the group that you're fishing with. Is, is there some type of a, a premium prize that you're, you're actually fishing for? Or is it more like the bragging rights? No, no, look, we're fishermen. The, you're look, you're the little trophy,
10: with. if they give you one, we don't even get one every year. I got one in season four. But that little plastic trophy and five bucks will get you a cup of coffee. The only thing <laughs> you get is the same thing any fisherman gets when he catches a nice fish. And that's bragging rights, and that's about it.
1: All right. And look at look into the future for Wicked Fishing. Do you think that this is a show for you that that has legs or will they be, you know, taking new personalities and, and weaving them in with old personalities? Or well, are you I under contract with them?
10: And again, we, we we're all subject to getting that letter of renewal every season when we hear they've picked up the show and they're gonna do another season. But it seems as though we're one it seems to me anyway that we're one of those core characters that mm-hmm. you know, we're gonna be there for a while. And yes, we always see the fact that they start advertising, we're looking for new boats, we wanna find new boats and we get it. That's how they're gonna keep the show interesting. I think over time is, you know, they got to get some new personalities to come on there and give us old guys a what for or, with, you know, however you want to say it. That's what's going to keep the show going overall. And, look, I'll be honest. The TV part of the deal, as a commercial fisherman, has been the opportunity of a lifetime for me. But what it's meant for me, you know, the first few seasons were just some extra money. Um, but look, I'll be honest. Three years ago, we started retirement planning for myself and my wife. That's the dream we never had. Sure. Both of my kids got their degrees from school, and with that extra money they made just from the show, they paid off their student loans, right? So they're going forward now, planning for their retirement, and, in, in, you know, they're debt-free. And that's what the TV show has meant for us, right, for our family. Other guys, it's meant other things, but... For us, it's certainly been that opportunity of a lifetime to build in that little bit of security. I've said it in other interviews when people ask, what's it meant for you? You know, and to me personally, it feels like for the first time in my life, I'm getting a little bit ahead in the rat race.
5: Oh, that's
1: great. And, you know, uh, a lot of people, I don't know if they realize or not, that you are a professional fisherman, and I'm presuming that when you're not filming, You're available for charter, too, and and the show has had to help your charter business.
10: Oh, yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, the biggest reason I got the Falcon, you know, there was a time in my life where I made 90% of my income from commercial fishing alone, fishing with nets and long lines or dragging or whatever it took. But we've always done a few charters during the seasons where we couldn't make money, you know, for other reasons with the nets. But obviously, again, as a commercial fisherman, I'm an opportunist. And because of the show, you know, uh, the opportunity right now for my family is in the charter business. And that's why we've, you know, we upgraded the hard merch this winter while she was hauled out. We made it a little more charter friendly for taking clients. So that's the boat my son runs. And, you know, I, of course, run the Falcon, which right out of the get-go, I bought that boat with uh, running charters in mind. It's It's bigger, it's faster, it's more comfortable with the whole idea of taking clients out fishing.
1: David, uh, during the the nine seasons that you've been on, or the eight seasons, is there one memorable fish or one memorable incident in that time that just kind of stands out? and and, Sure, yeah, yeah, that's a
10: great question. I think it was... um, The second season, or no, it was the first season Angelica, my daughter, was on the boat. And we wound up catching the biggest fish of the season for all the boats on the show. It was an 886 pounder, right? Nice. What was cool about that is that was Jell's first season, and it was right near the end of the season. Uh, And it happened to be, we got that bite, I think it was 2 in the morning, and we were fishing up in tight, which means up near the shore, you know, within five miles of the shoreline, which means there's a lot of lobster gear and commercial crab pots and a lot of things like that. It gets very congested with gear up in there. So I was busy driving the boat trying to dodge all these buoys that we could have lost this big fish on. We knew we had a big fish. So literally, I never got a chance to even touch the fishing rod once we hooked it. And before I know it, in about an hour and a half, my son and my daughter, and this was her first season fishing full-time, uh, reeled in what turned out to be the biggest fish of the season, you know, a 900-pound fish. You know, nice. it, it seemed like before I knew it, I was just focusing on dodging the buoys that were coming at me out of the darkness, uh, which any one of, we could have lost this fish on. It would have been over in a second. And so I was doing my job, and before I knew it, my son's back there yelling, we got color. I got him up, and I ran back and threw the hot pool. Uh, and that, for me, was a moment that will always stick out in my mind, to watch my two kids come together like that and literally catch the biggest fish of the season in front of everybody else.
1: Well, David, we're running out of time, unfortunately. It's gone by way too quickly. But for people that maybe live in a cave or under a rock that haven't seen Wicked Tuna, where can they find Wicked Tuna right now uh, yeah. uh, on the Wicked Tuna airing...
10: Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Time Zone, only on the National Geographic Channel. And if you are going to get to the West Coast and interested in charter fishing with us, um, you can visit our website at fbf f/b, slash v, as in Fishing Vessel Hard Merchandise dot com.
1: All right, or can get a hold of you on Facebook. I know you're uh,
10: sure uh, yep. reg-
1: regularly and. I hope to get the chance to come back there and visit you, and maybe we can go over to Ray Moore's and uh, enjoy some of his fine seafood and, and talk more about this. a great subject, and we want to congratulate you and wish you the best of luck. And we look forward to seeing you on the West Coast here tonight on Wicked Fishing.
10: All right. Thank you.
1: All right. Thanks for being with us, uh, Captain David. That was uh, uh, Captain uh David uh, Marciano from Marciano. Wicked Fishing uh, calling us uh, from uh, the East Coast. Uh, Wendy? Wicked
2: Tuna.
1: Wicked Tuna. <laughs> Wicked Fishing. Wicked Tuna. Great stories. Great to guys. You know, what, Great Great again, guys. Uh, you know well, I can't...
2: Thank
10: uh, you, Dave. Yeah. All right, you're welcome.
1: Hey, thank you, David. Appreciate you being with us, sir. All right,
10: all right. Thank you.
1: We'll talk to you later on. and uh, Let's hope we can have you again, sir. All right.
10: Hey, John,
2: I've got, I've got a congratulations to say.
1: What's that, sir, or ma'am?
2: Uh, <laughs> Merritt McRae uh, just received notice that he is actually an all-tackle holder um, for IPFA for Brown Rockfish. And, and so he has multiple um, tackle records now
1: all right well congratulations to merit hey listen that music is coming on up it means we're coming to an end of rod real radio for the sunday night we want to thank otto and the am 540 studios ben harvey our local producer here in san diego want to thank all of you for listening but also want to thank eddie mccune big tuna bill and paul leader for helping us sustain and be on the air. We'll be back next Sunday night with another live show on AM
10: 540.
1: Listen into us. I think you'll find it'll be a fun time. So until then, on behalf of Stan and Wendy, good night, everyone. We're out for now.